Football is about the Jimmys and Joes and X's and O's. Blue 58! Blue 58! Check New York Bozo! New York Bozo! 28, Baker Bruce! It's time to get out the chalkboard and diagram some plays. Here's where it all starts right here. Let's play! G-Money Christmas! What the hell's going on out here? This is Inside Football with former Colts and NFL coach Rick Venturi. Well, the Colts have dried off from the atmospheric river that hovered over them on Sunday night in California. They defeated the 49ers 30-18, and the Colts are on a bit of a roll here. Winners three of their last four. Welcome back and welcome into another episode of Inside Football with Rick Venturi, who has nearly 30 years of coaching experience in the NFL. I'm Matt Taylor, and Rick, a wild, wild game the other night. The Colts dug themselves out of a 9 to nothing hole. They led 13-12 to at halftime. They never looked back, and we had a lot of drop passes, a lot of fumbles. Uh, the team that simply made less mistakes was going to be the team to win a game like that, and it doesn't matter how it looks in those types of conditions. Just get a win, move to 3-4, and four, and get the job done in a crazy weather game. That's exactly what the Colts did. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was so proud of the way, uh, you know, we responded, the way we played through it. You know, my my goal before the game, I thought the two most important things were for us to control the line of scrimmage on a, on a heavy field, on a bad field. You know, I said the team that really establishes the run. And then number two, you were going to have to overcome a lot of different things. And the thing about the Colts is I think you can check both boxes. I mean, the 148 yards rushing, 33-56 time of possession, you know, that that defines control. And then, as you said earlier, uh, you know, you had to overcome everything. There was a period in that second quarter where teams were having trouble getting a snap. You know, it looked like high school 1944, (laughs) but we overcame that. And sometimes I think, you know, having coached and having played, I think think sometimes the toughest adversity to overcome, and this is what I liked about this team this week, is the adversity that you create yourself. I mean, because, you know, there's a tendency to – uh, linger on that to get a little hang dog and you know both Carson and uh Taylor you know our two superstars had had faux pas in the game of you know both of them fumble critical situations right. to go down nine but the thing I liked about it and particularly the quarterback because that's a psychic position it's not just physical is he put it right behind him he had selective amnesia and man he went out and then had you know one of the highest QBR ratings of the year so you know, really like the way that team responded. You're absolutely right. It doesn't matter. Nothing has to be artistic, and there was no way it was going to be artistic in that, you know, almost Katrina-like situation. So, no, it was a great win. It was do or die, you know, and now now it sets up a huge, huge game. No doubt about it. We'll get into the Titans coming up in just a bit, but the offensive recap from the other night, Jonathan Taylor continues to be a rising star, over 100 scrimmage yards, in four straight games. The offensive line, Rick, I think continues to improve. And yeah. now it's almost as if the Colts have six starters on that offensive line with Chris Reed uh, mixing in at right guard with Mark Lewinsky. And then Carson Wentz, as you said, he's been over 100 in passer rating four straight games and displayed some selective amnesia after a little bit of a rocky start in the rain. What did you make of the overall offensive output on Sunday night in the rain? Yeah, I was really happy with it under the conditions and under the start. You know, the thing about Wentz is we just keep, you know, we, we just keep on. I, I, I said this the other day to you in our in our roundtable. It's like watching, it's just like reading a good book 
and you unfold a, a better chapter every every week. This week it was <laughs> his legs. Yep. Uh, you know, he's he's the mad bomber, the which I like. It was too. psychologically right. putting the adversity behind him. But here's a critical, you know, one statistic that I think is gold and that I put so much into is the QBR, more than the passer rating. Passer rating stands on its own, but he had an 82.8. And, I mean, I don't know if people realize it or not, but Stafford leads the league with a 78. And Rodgers led the league the whole season last year with a 79 and change. So when your QBR is at 82, you know, 82 and, and 8, I mean, that that's absolutely incredible. But, again, it's it's, you know, he showed his feet. We had – you know, two designers, uh, one for a touchdown on the zone read and the second one zone read on the um, on the third and one, and then the 16-yard scramble in a critical situation. He showed us that. And so, like I said, and then I thought that in crunch time, and I think his big hands do help here, I thought he really threw it well in crunch time. I mean, coming from North Dakota, you've played in adversity. <laughs> you've played in bad weather your whole life. And I thought he came back after – you know, a slow start, and I thought he really threw well at crunch time. You know, then you go you go Taylor, again, he's just stacking 100-yard games. And, I mean, this one, there wasn't a spectacular play, but you have to watch the tape again, really, and be able to run it back to see how effective he is. How You know, you know, I don't want to take anything away from the offensive line, but he makes them look good. I mean, he, he has getting that patience, not, as, not, not like Le'Veon Bell, but a little bit like that where he'll stutter and he'll cut it all the way back to the back C gap and get north and south and get a five-yard gain that looks quiet. But at the end of the day, it really keeps the ball moving. I think maybe the biggest the biggest plus is the development of Pittman. I think Pittman has really just risen. I mean, he's gone from just a scheme guy, period. Uh, in the last month, you know, he's been asked to do different things, and I've been calling for it. And I always thought he would be a good 50-50 guy, but now he's made two terrific game-changing plays on 50-50 balls, and we're utilizing him downfield, and he has now gone from a scheme player to a, to a game-changer. And I, I think that's huge, you know, particularly having lost Campbell, uh, you know, having, having Hilton kind of in and out. I mean, you know, like they say, necessity is the mother invention. I do agree with you on the offensive line. I think they're coming. And I think getting Braden back, uh, you know, I like the alternation of Reed, uh, I, what it does. And I think that Pryor has actually done a decent job, which will now give us, I think, a better swing tackle than we expected. I don't think anybody expected Pryor to be that guy. But, I mean, I, the other thing is we're better in the red zone. You know, we go three for five, which now makes us – five for seven and yep. remember we hung at the very bottom yep. for most of the year but we're back to five of seven in the last two weeks Great point. again i mentioned before 148 rushing 33 56 time of possession on a bad day we did have a critical fourth and one i thought i thought jonathan was great on that he just he had that vision he saw that backside and then a good fourth quarter fish finish you know I'd, I'd only have to the only thing is i'll always keep it real and i'll just say that on the other side of it you know, we just got to eliminate the turnovers, and we we have occasionally slow starts. And I think we've got against good mm-hmm. teams. We have to really be ready for that. Continue to improve on our edge protection. Uh, poor Heinze dropped that. I still think that might have been six if he catches it. And I think we can be better on third down. Um, you know, but uh, again, just a just a really good performance on offense. 
you know, which is just stacking them back to back. I mean, I, I keep saying, I, you know, I think the sky's the limit with this team offensively. No doubt about that, and you know, and it leaves you wanting more, as you said. I mean, they yeah, can be, does. they can be even yeah. better, and uh, that's saying something considering the last month here how uh, fantastic the offense has been. I mean, they're a top five unit in terms of scoring too in the last month, averaging almost well, you know, twenty eight points you know, a game. You know, the thing about it is, you're, you, this league is a quarterback centric league, and the and the biggest plus that we've had going is Wentz. I mean, Wentz has played like the 2017 Wentz that was in the in the conversation for the MVP of the league and that what did have the best QBR. You know, our running back is showing the sensation that we expected, and now we've got Pittman going. So we've right. got kind of a three amigos, um, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of, you know, week after week after week, and there's no reason we can't. And then, you know, I think if we do get Hilton back, Hilton would give us another guy to get the top off, and that's, I, I'd kind of like to have that. All right, then on defense, it all starts with Darius Leonard. I mean, eight, oh, eight takeaways, has a takeaway in five straight games, Rick. I mean, just sensational season. And, again, he's banged up. You're right, he's still not 100% on that ankle. Uh, the third down defense was immaculate. The 49ers were just yeah. one for 11. Um, and the Colts settled down, giving up just one score on the last 11 49er drives of the night after allowing points in the first three possessions of the game. And, and also something that stands out not only from the 49er game, but all season long, Rick, the Colts do a really good job of limiting damage off of turnovers, just three points off turnovers the other night and only 16 points off of turnovers they've allowed uh, this season. The Colts defense has allowed 16 points off of Colts offensive turnovers. So really good job situationally, not only Sunday night, but all season long. No, there's no doubt about it, but I, you can't, <laughs> you just exclaimed it, and I will too. I mean, you can't say enough about Leonard. I I just put as plus as Leonard, Leonard, Leonard because <laughs> this was a this was another game, and and you know, and he he makes them to change the game. That's the amazing thing. It's not like he makes them after the fact. I mean, the punch out, they're right in the game. I mean, he changes the game. Yeah, it's a and two point game when he does Twenty that. to eighteen. Right. And I'm like, I have a breakdown, and he knocks down the two-point play. I mean, you know, there are two plays, and it, you just almost take him for granted. But I've, I don't think I'd ever, I've ever seen anything like him. I'm not sure how good we would be without him because, you know, we'll, we'll at times give up a lot, and then all of a sudden here comes Leonard, you know. I mean, you know, the four turnovers are, are huge. Uh, you, as you said, the, the, the third, third and 11, I mean, one for 11 on third down. Uh, and I did think, you know, on the on the on the Muhammad sack sack fumble, I, I thought that was a really good rush. Now we're not getting enough of it, but we did see Quiddy Pay get off that edge like we expect, and he was actually there first, and he forced the quarterback, and then Muhammad was right behind him and got the strip sack, and those were huge. You know, you got to give it to Rhodes. I mean, he kind of played through the injury. I didn't think he was going to play the way he limped in, and that was a big interception. And he he kind of they need to make a training reel on that press technique and how he intercepted that ball. Very solid, you know, again, most of the, after that, after that easy first drive, which is almost, you know, we, we're just unusual on defense. We can play a lot of really good defense and then like have a drive. And then that three play drive to Samuel was like, how did that? I, I even see, I saw Leonard said something to the effect. He was going like, Oh no, go not again. again. Yeah. You know? 
But, I mean, in the end, 169-yard 160, passes. I mean, we talked about Wentz's 82 QBR. Garoppolo had a 7.8, incidentally, QBR. <laughs> so, you know, you know, that says something about your defense and your quarterback. I, I just think in terms of keeping it real, you know, uh, just not a good start. And we don't want to get, you know, we, we don't want to do that at Tennessee. We want a really fast start Sunday. We don't want to let them get out in front of us. Um, you know, at times – at times, we just will get lax on the pass defense, that fourth quarter three play. You know, I think we got to get a little bit better on the run, Matt. I don't think that we're playing the run quite as lights out. I think part of it is Okariki, uh, Okarike, who will, who will make some plays, but he's struggling in the middle on his reads. He, he's not as sharp as he is, and, and that's understandable because that's a totally different position you know, and we did, you know, I, I, you know, it's going to be hard to make up for Blackman. And the problem there is that you miss some tackles in space that become big plays. And I know we've made some moves. I always thought that Josh Jones was a pretty good player in this league. So we may see more of him as we get going, um, you know, and then I'm going to make a big point because this point, and we'll get into it with Tennessee, is we've got, we, we got to stop it on the bootleg. I mean, we cannot continue to let quarterbacks get on our edge and make plays and you know if you really have to look at our first game the reason we got beaten the first game on defense was we didn't contain the bootleg and we played poorly in the red zone so you know we'll get into that as we go into Tennessee but the bootleg has just been an issue I thought we had it fixed and we didn't have it fixed and man with Tannehill you better fix it. All right, let's turn the page and get ready for the Titans who come into this game 5-2. and two. They've won three straight, and they're tied for the top record in the AFC. They're coming off a very impressive game against the Chiefs, thrashing Kansas City 27-3 in a game that wasn't even that close. They outgained the Chiefs 277-67 to in the first half, and they forced three turnovers, recorded a season-high four sacks on Patrick Mahomes, and the three points for the Chiefs was their lowest output in a game since 2012. The Titans look like the real deal on offense with Ryan Tannehill and, of course, Derrick Henry, who's on pace to break the NFL's all-time rushing record and rushing attempts mark in a single season. So, Rick, what else do you like about the Titans coming into this game on the big picture? How are they the same? How are they different uh, compared to Week 3 when the Colts last saw them? Yeah, and and that really kind of is the issue. I think the bad news was I think most of us, myself included, you know, thought Tennessee would come back to us. The good news is we're coming to them. So, you know, we're meeting somewhere in the middle, but these are two humongous wins for them, you know, against perceived top teams. Maybe Kansas City isn't, but certainly Buffalo is. I mean, they, the Titans, to quote my good friend and late Denny Green, the Titans who we think they are. I mean, they, you know, they come in riding high after back-to-back and and they could be poised for you know they could be poised for the upset here this week. I really do believe that, and I believe we can play with them. I think the biggest difference, if you want to look at the difference, we know they're going to be led by the Steel Horse. There's no question about it. I mean, he's got like six thousand six hundred yards. He's closing in on a thousand, and we're not even at the halfway park. I mean, they they are running back centric, and Todd Downing does a good job of not ever forgetting him and even utilizing him in different ways. I think where they're different, you know, and those guys played against us, but they weren't fully healthy, and they didn't play at all against the Jets in that upset. But I think Jones and Brown now are close to 100%. 
And what that has done now, that has challenged you because now when you load the box, you have two very, very good receivers that can beat you on that outside of the field, outside the numbers. And, you know, Tannehill, he's just getting better and better. I always think, I say he's the most underrated quarterback in the league. He's sitting there again in the top 10 QBR, and he just had a great game, both mentally and physically, Sunday, and you're seeing more and more of that. But I think a lot of that, uh, Matt, really has to do with the receiver help. I think, you know, getting Jones healthy, getting Brown healthy, um, really, uh, really creates the defensive challenge on the outside. You know, and then on defense, the game came to them. I still believe that their defense is their Achilles heel. Now, they played good in the first game against us because Carson couldn't move, and they knew it. And they brought people from everywhere as soon as they got ahead in the count. And it was a little bit of a distortion of what I think we can do to them with Carson now healthy. I'm not a big fan of their defense. I mean, there's guys that I like over there. Landry with seven and a half sacks. Uh, I like Autry. I think Autry's probably their second best front guy at three and a half. I, I think the world of buyers, you know, he's having a really great year. And then I like their linebackers, Evan and Long. Unfortunately, Long came on against us and has really uh, emerged as a really good player. But the game came to them last week. I mean, when they got, as you said, it wasn't, you know, it, 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 they, they, got, they got ahead so fast mm-hmm. and, and by a big margin that they were able to play third down defense the rest of the way. Now, Tennessee is like two different defenses. We'll get into this. But when they're just normal in their base and the, and the game is a normal flow, to me, they're below average. Statistically, they prove it. But Sunday, because they got that lead, then they get that, that what I call NASCAR package with Autry and Simmons inside and Landry and Dupree outside. And then they, they, spin, uh, they spin Landry around different spots, gives you all kind of stuff. And, you know, then, I mean, they play a lot of man with that stuff. Then they got really tough. It was like two. It was like looking at two different worlds. If you and I and I, I've been fortunate because when we play them to, to watch every tape on them, but I mean it's. I mean honestly, everything worked for them last week. Uh, you know the ability to throw the ball outside and, and shred the Chiefs secondary, and the ability to get a big lead and let their defense feast. They got four sacks. Uh, Autry basically had two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was our defensive player of the week. And Landry, as I said, has seven and a half. So, you know, I think that they're on an upward trajectory. My big three that I always look at, they're 15 in points given up, which now sneaks them into the top half. QBR is nine, number nine, and they're up to a minus turnover rating. They had a pretty low turnover rate, you know, for a while there. But they're on an upward trajectory. But, again, they had everything fire perfectly for them last week. All right, let's bust out the blueprints and talk about the Titans on offense. Of course, the straw that stirs the drink is Derrick Henry, and not only Henry in the running game, but they're also using him more in the passing game and the screen game. He's led the NFL in rushing in each of the last two seasons. That's the case again through seven games this year. Jonathan Taylor is second in the NFL in rushing yards and Henry has 290 more yards than Taylor, just to give you some context. Uh, The Titans have been very good on offense, very efficient. They've scored points on 11 of their last 14 drives. Ryan Tannehill is leading the Titans to the sixth-best scoring offense, and the last time the Titans played the Colts, Tannehill rushed for a career-high 
56 yards, including a back-breaking 28-yard scramble at one point. And they've got playmakers on the outside that complement the running game. A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are back to full strength health-wise. So, Rick, what do you make of the Titans' offense here at the halfway point of the season? Yeah, and the amazing thing, they've really had to patch up their offensive line. You know, their left tackle, they finished the game with Bobby Hart, who took over for Lamb, who took over for Luan, who was really their number three tackle, who they just acquired a week ago. Uh, Radden's the, 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 the tackle from North Dakota, ends up being the left guard when Saffle, he's been in and out. You know, their right side is average. They've done it with kind of an average offensive line, but they do it because they stay ahead in the count. And that's going to be the critical thing as I, as I get into the, to the must. Again, you hit it on the head. You're talking about a Hall of Fame without question runner. I always try to look for comparisons, and it's hard on him because he's very unique. He's very different, and they know it, and they feed it. I think he's a little bit Adrian Peterson and a little bit Eric Dickerson. I mean, in, in the sense that he never looks flashy, but he's got great vision. He's got inline quickness and smoothness. The straight arm is there. And then he's got that breakaway speed, a lot like Jonathan. You just don't see it. And all of a sudden, he's through there. A couple defensive backs make business decisions, and he's out the gate. He's a home run hitter. So, I mean, there's no question that they have to do that uh, to win. And then, you know, I think, you know, obviously you mentioned it, the health of the receivers. Brown had a really big game last week with eight for 133, you know, and and a touchdown. I mean, he he really – he makes the difference. I think as good as Julio Jones is on the 50-50 balls and the drives, when they really need a passing play, they want to get it to Brown, and they're, they're going to move him around. Again, I think their offensive line is really suspect if you get ahead. The only thing I'll mention before I get into the must is that, and I want to mention this because I have to keep it real, and we have to make sure we don't make this mistake again. I said this before. The two things that killed us in game one, was not leveraging Tannehill on the boot because the boots are a part of their game. It's, it's, it's run, play action, bootleg. It's a three-tiered attack, okay? Contain him on the boot. Don't let him get the leverage on the boot. And then we gave up, if you remember, I went bananas that day. We gave up three uncontested red zone plays. Now, that is not going to happen again. I will guarantee you that won't happen again. But those are the two areas, that red zone, and that containing of the boot. Now, stopping Henry, the conventional runs, there's no question, uh, 6,600 yards, 65 rushing touchdowns. I mean, to me, the biggest thing, you have to penetrate and set the edge, but you never want to sit on that line of scrimmage and let them get a, a head of steam. You want to penetrate, and then your linebackers have to attack. I mean, you're going to have to play heavy fronts. You can't play them in a light box, that's for sure. And you got to play them all day because they're going to keep feeding him. It's not he's not going to have 15 carries, you know. Now the thing about him, though, and I've said this many times, and I thought we actually did a good job. And you know, numerically, you can say I'm wrong, but the games that he breaks you open and breaks your back are games that he hits the home run, gets the 60-yard run, gets the 70-yard run. You know, if you can keep him around 4.0. Like, I think we, we held him to 114, which you could say, well, he gained over, over, over 100. Mm-hmm. But he did it with 4.0. So I can, if, if I can do that, if I can hold him to 4.0 and 114, you know what? I'm going to take that. I, I am actually going to take that. And that, you know, that's going to take discipline. 
you got to keep that ball in the circle. You got to close and you got to get gang tackles. You don't want to let them want, you don't want to let him one-on-one with your defensive backs because he can embarrass some of those guys. And don't forget McNichols. McNichols got that last touchdown against us. He's their space change up. When he comes in the game, it's more pass, but you got to number one, you got to stop Henry. Now, number two, and this is all kind of combined, okay, your, your corners have to play great in this game. And they're going to be forced, whether you play at zone or whether you play at man, they're going to be forced to play a bunch of one-on-one on the outside. And you've got to crowd Jones and Brown, in my opinion. I think they're the kind of receivers, if you remember in basketball, they used to use the, what the, the Pistons used to use what they called the Jordan rules against Michael Jordan. And in a nutshell, that was is prevent Jordan from getting the ball. And I think what's really important is you crowd these guys. Jones doesn't run like he used to, and and Brown has always been a 4-5. He's not a burner. Uh, But, you know, obviously Jones has the big catching radius, and Brown has an amazing ability to yak yards after the catch. He's just physical. He can run out of tackles. And so you want to be on those guys tight. You don't want to give them any daylight. Uh, I, I, I want our corners to be really aggressive. And and they know we're going to play an eight-man front. I mean, they've always – they went right after Yassin in the last game. I mean, they go after our corners. So I think one of the biggest things in, in winning this game, particularly the way they're playing now, is not only stopping Henry but crowding and resisting and basically challenging these receivers. Number three, we've got to play great in the red zone, okay? As I said, I mentioned it twice, mentioned it three times. That was the killer in Nashville. Now, their 221 stats are not as good as they're playing right now. I think they're like 18th, but they were number two in 220. And in that upward trajectory, that's where they're playing so much better. Again, they hit three touchdown passes uncontested against us. And the other thing that makes them good is Tannehill will run quarterback designers. If you look last week, he ran that naked in for a touchdown. He's run zone reads. They don't run him by nature. He extends, and he'll extend a bootleg. But when they get in the red zone, there will be designers. So you've got to be very, very careful on the edge, okay? Now, you know, I think the other thing, and I'll just mention again, hold the edges on Tannehill. You know, he killed us in game one with that 28-yard run on the bootleg. And, again, very concerned with him in the red zone. Don't be afraid to bring outside pressure on first down from your perimeter and particularly from the field because they don't really like to buy they don't like to really boot him into the short side of the field they like to boot him strong and if you could hit him early and discourage that with outside pressure i think it would be good the other thing that Tannehill has done lately even sunday as well as he played and even in our game he will he this year he has tended occasionally not a lot but he's occasionally uh, you know, he's occasionally thrown that ball into a pep rally, as, as Mike Vrabel said. Incidentally, Vrabel is doing his very best Belichick right now <laughs> to try to tamp down the hype. I mean, he came out of there surly after the game, and I know that that's an act. That's just for his team so that they don't, you know, they don't get too high on themselves. But I think we can get some turnovers on this guy if we can get that league. And, again, get him in disadvantage, attack their offensive line, you know, as good as they are on offense, you know, they're they're 26th in the pass and they're 26th in sacks. So, you know, I like I said, I don't think they can play from a two-possession two deficit. That's why it's so important 
to have a, a fast start and for off our offense just to challenge him and get after him. You know, they're they're kind of a their left tackle. Like I said, they're down to number three, Bobby Hart. I mean, it's just you know they really really struggle. And the other thing that I've I've seen Tannehill, I've talked to you about Tannehill throwing it into a crowd at times this year. The other thing I've seen because of their issues at left tackle, I've seen those strip sacks off the blind side. So let's get Quiddy going. Let's get him off that blind side, and let's see if he can get some strip sacks this week. All right, let's switch gears and talk about the Titans on defense. That unit is definitely the weaker of the two compared to their offense, but they are coming off their best performance of the season, holding the Chiefs at just three points and four for 11 on third down. Despite the three points to Kansas City, though, they've allowed at least 30 points in three games so far this season, and they are susceptible in the passing game. They held the Colts in check to just 16 points in the first meeting, but we all know that was the game that Carson Wentz barely made it active with his two bad ankle sprains. He's a much better quarterback now. The Colts are a much better offense than the 265 yards of total offense they had in week three in the Music City. So what do you make of the Titans on defense? They're rushing the passer much better this year than they did last season. Where have they improved since the Colts last saw them four weeks ago? Well, Matt, I, I think you just kind of hit it on the head. I, I think that the two anomalies, in, 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 and I'm going to say they're positive anomalies for the Titans, the two games that they looked the best uh, was against us in game three. But I think it was an anomaly in that they knew that Carson, I mean, he played courageously, but he couldn't move. And so every time they got second and long, they brought the house. Mm -hmm. I mean, they brought all Nashville after him. And I think it's a distortion to how good they are. And then last week they played with that humongous lead and they were able to get in the most perfect ratio that they need to get into. And you're right about the rush. I'll get into that. Uh, but I still think that it is their weak link. And I think it is the thing that for their defense overall prevents them from being an elite team and it makes them vulnerable week in and week out. And that's why I think we have such a good opportunity here. You know, they, you know, their corners, uh, you know, they, 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 they've gone out and they've invested in Jack Rabbit and Fulton, but they've had injuries on the right side. They've gone through people. Last week they started Mabin, who was who, who basically they signed a week ago on the practice squad to play right corner. So, you know, as much as they've invested, you know, uh, you know, with the exception of Jack Rabbit, who I think you can beat, uh, that's Jack Rabbit Jenkins, I think you can beat because I had him in St. Louis. You know, they still, that's a very fluid position for them. You know, I don't feel like, now, you could argue with me on Sunday that with all the money they've invested, I mean, those four guys up front, Landry, Simmons, Autry, and Dupree, are big investment guys for them. Those aren't just guys that came in off the street. They're either high draft picks or free agent signings for good money. But I don't think week in and week out that they've really shown that, you know, in a game where, it's both run and pass. Now you look at uh, some key guys. I mean, some key guys, it's obviously starts with Landry. You know, Landry has like 37 tackles and seven and a half sacks. He's always given us problems, even with Costanzo was here. You know, he's undersized, but he gets after it. Bayard, three picks, you know, 29 tackles, seven TBUs. Those two guys are their statistical knockout guys. And then Autry's coming on. He had two sacks uh, Sunday. Uh, and three and a half for the season. And, you know, we know Autry. I mean, he can play all over. But where he's really effective as a rusher is when he gets inside on your guards, particularly your right guard. And then Evans and Long, I think, are very, very good stack linebackers 
I think between the two of them, they have something like 88 tackles. I mean, they, they really go, uh, you know, but, you know, again, when you, when you look at them statistically, it's, it's a team that you feel like you could really, you know, you can really play with. Um, I, I think, you know, in terms of the must, you know, I think the first thing is, and, and this is really important, they're always going to be in an over or under. And you hear me say this week after we keep pounding at the bubble and get in three wide receivers, some to get them in that nickel on first down, not on third down, and run right at Landry on the right side. Landry is a terrific loose play guy, but he's not a real physical guy at the point. And so if you can get a nickel and get them unsubbed, I'm talking about first down nickel, okay, which is basically basic for them, then you want to get right after Landry. His plays come on the passing game, no question about that. You know, I think Simmons and Autry are solid. I would work the edges, work the edges, but crack back on those safeties. You cannot, you cannot let Bayer down in there. Or the kid that played good against us and played good Sunday was Krushank, who's the backup. You know, along with Hooker's back, Evans and Long, you got to get those second level, those linebackers and those safeties blocked on those outside plays. Now, I tell you where they saved themselves and they won the Buffalo game short yardage and goal line. This is where you really have to have a nice package and you got to be able to knock them off that ball because, you know, if you remember, they stopped Buffalo on that fourth and one sneaker. That game might have been different. So, you know, they are number nine on the rush, on rush defense. So, you know, that's going to be a challenge. Number two, I think, you know, I think that we're better on this, but I still see a shaky at times we got to protect the edges. I mean, Landry will give Fisher all he wants off that right side with those sacks, and he is very, very quick and athletic. So Fisher's got to really keep his feet moving. Dupree on the other side, you know, uh, you know, Dupree basically has 39 and a half sacks in his career. Now he got his first one Sunday, got his first one for the Titans, and he's he is coming back from Achilles, much like uh, Fisher is on the other side. So he seems to be getting better. And our guy, Autry, has 34 career sacks and two last week. So, you know, those are the things. Do not, you know, and again, if we can stay ahead of them and keep a, keep that rush package on the bench, that's all the difference in the world. Again, third down is their favorite down, and that's that's usually where teams fail. This is where they got ahead Sunday and they are very classic. They're they're really fairly basic on first and second down, but then on third down they start dealing it up. And the first thing they do is they get Landry, Dupree, Simmons, and Autry as their front four, and then they can make it a delta or a three-man look, and they can walk Landry. He walks around different spots. He can rush inside, outside, and then they give you a lot of blitz in that situation, and they give you a lot of tough man-to-man coverage. So – you know, they are number 15 in sacks, and those are coming more lately, and they're number 15 on third down, okay? Now, we've got to attack their corners. There's no doubt about it. Jenkins is their best, number 20, Jack Rabbit Jenkins, who plays on their left side. He's a very talented guy, but he has frizzes in his game, and he's a guesser. And so he is very vulnerable. When you go after Jenkins, don't go after him standard. Go after him with double moves all the time. And then whoever plays opposite. I mean, they've had a lot of injuries. Again, last week they started Mabin, who came off the practice squad. 
you know, you know, when they get into Jackson and borders, they are really a mess. And so that's why they, they just, they, they said, we can't play with those guys. We're going to put Mabin in there. And he was, he was adequate and the game came to him. But, uh, and again, their field side corner is almost naked the whole game. They'll roll weak a little bit, but they don't roll strong very much. Our guy. And then I think, again, I said this early from a defensive standpoint, but it, it, it's the whole team. Uh, it, we've got to win in the red zone. I, I think the team in a big game like this, you know the ball's going to move. The skill level on both teams is too good for it not to move between the 20s. And so what what's going to really determine this the, is who plays best in the red zone. And I think Tennessee is fairly stout. Like I said, they don't have a great offensive statistic this year but they have traditionally been in the top three, four teams every year, and they're number 12 on defense, even though their defensive statistics aren't really that good. So, again, it's very important for us to stop them. We didn't challenge them last time on defense. We've got to challenge them, and then we've got to continue to think players, not plays, and our players are number 28, number 11, number 81, and in and, and a selective use of 14 in the red zone. And again, Carson's legs, which he showed you for the first time, and I've been talking about it all year, but last year was, last week was the new chapter. Mm-hmm. He showed you what a zone read can mean in the, in the goal line. Again, down here, I think it's going to be like the game itself. It's will over skill, man. I mean, it's, it's going to be tight down in there, tight quarters. You know, no, no, no place for the meek here. The meek will not inherit the earth in that last 10 yards. Not, not so this week. You got to be ready to go. Uh, that's absolutely right. And uh, Rick, as we close out, I mean, we all know you, you've talked about it. You've hinted at it this entire time. This is, it's not a make or break game. It's not a do or die game, but man, it's, it's right on the edge of, of one of those things. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty close, you know, but I, I say it with excitement. Yeah, I, mean, to I do, me, too. I do, too. And it's one of those things. You know, this is what we play for. This is, this is what absolutely. we want. I mean, it was survival in San Francisco, and this, this is going to be a bloodbath in the AFC South. You know, and in some ways, I mean, we don't, you know, we don't want to let them go to six and two. I mean, right. it's, a, it's a bit of an elimina- elimination game. I only say that to put importance on it. Sure. But more than that, it's a great opportunity game because it's a game that we can win. We can definitely win. And now we pull within one. Right. I, I now just you're a threat. Jets this morning, they're not even a good JV team. I mean, we're going to be, <laughs> you know, if we get through this one, we're, we're going to control the division by the end of game nine, I guarantee you, we will, you know, and they're, they're going to be riding high. And I think they might be a little ripe after two huge wins and that, you know, that publicity just dismounts, um, you know, and again, they're best when they get the advantage early because then they can pound with mm-hmm. Henry pound with Henry, and then they can get that rush package in there. And I keep make, making reference to that because that's who they are. That's the two things that they're really good at when they get that certain type of game. You know, you know, it, it, it's just one of those big games, and it, it's why we do this. I mean, this, to me, this is the shot. We can have all the speculation, all the guys talking about who we are, who we are not, and this is an opportunity for us to prove, number one, to ourselves, mm-hmm. to Colts Nation, and to the world that we are a legitimate contender and not simply a bottom feeder slayer. You know what I'm saying? I mean, sure. I, I, that, because that is the storyline. That's the narrative. You're going to be one or the other after Sunday. 
And again, in my opinion now, the reason it's so much fun and it's so much opportunity is, again, by fighting your way back, fighting your way back, you now still control your destiny. I know there's still nine games to play after this one, but based on how the Titans have been playing, I don't I don't think you want to think about trying to make up essentially a four-game deficit because the Titans would hold the head-to-head tiebreakers on the Colts. So, right. again, it goes right. without saying, this makes Sunday's game one of the most important October home games the Colts have had in a long, long time. All right, Rick, thanks for the knowledge, as always. Do you feel like this season has flown by, like we're going at breakneck speed here in 2021? Yeah, it, it really is amazing, and then we're going to play two games. Right. In, you know, we're going to play two games in uh, five in, days, in four days, which is, you know, which is going to take us past week nine, and all of a sudden we're rolling back downhill. Now, it's going to be fun. There's some big games coming up. I will bring you back to one thing, though. I, I was a part, and I was a part of it. One of the greatest Halloween night games in the history of the NFL when we played that national television that Monday game, night game, and we blew. We we were underdogs. The Broncos, we, right? We blew the Broncos off the face of the earth. <laughs> Eric Dickerson ran through them like like they were nothing. We played great defense, and that was the that was kind of the Halloween miracle. It's, I don't think it's a miracle. Let's just have a Halloween win. Yeah, nightmare for the Broncos. I know that, and and hopefully the Colts can give them a uh, the Titans. That is a little bit of a matinee nightmare on Sunday afternoon on Halloween day. All right, Rick. Thanks for the time. As always, we'll see you on Sunday for the big game. Rest up, get mentally focused, and we'll see you on Sunday, my friend. <laughs> All right, man. I'm, I'm really happy with the 1 o'clock kickoff. I'm Me too. really ready for that. <laughs> Me too. The 4 a.m. Uh, bedtime the other night was was not conducive to a was, – was, was a little difficult. <laughs> no, <laughs> not conducive to a 4-year-old and a 1-year-old, I can tell you that. <laughs> but we power on, my friend. We'll see you on Sunday, Rick. Thanks, as always, for the time, man. <laughs> All right, partner. All right, Rick Venturi right there. I'm Matt Taylor. This has been Inside Football. We will talk to you next week with the Colts and Titans showdown on Sunday. <laughs>